Ladies and gentlemen, All About Reality Podcast, Matt Goodwin and Luke Patrick coming at you tonight. And we are so excited to finally track down an elusive and wonderful guest that we've sought for over a year. We're so proud to bring him to you. Rich Rebar, welcome to the program, sir. What's going on, guys? I'm glad we could finally make this happen. We've been kind of uh, kicking this back and forth for a while to make this happen. So I'm glad that we finally uh, have come together to, to, to talk about some football. And we're just on the cusp of the 2020 season here as guys are, you know, working out at the combine. It kind of feels like we got that little reprieve from the Super Bowl. Everyone kind of recalibrates and it's like, bam, already starting back to 2020. And like the, we're, we're moving downhill already. Amen to that. And no better bam. We're like genuinely excited to hear what you have to say. So many people across this industry have looked to you and often have pointed to your work as a standard to which they aspire. And for Goody and I, we can't wait to pick your brain about how to kind of take the work that you're doing over at Sharp Football Analysis and apply that for our listeners to the RSO platform. So Goody, we just discovered that you have a little bit of a hometown connection to young Mr. Rebar here too, huh? Yes, definitely. We're, we're both Cleveland boys. You could hear it in our accents. So laying it on thick today with our pierogies and, and our deli, good deli, which I miss. I don't really get out here in Seattle. So Rich, very excited to have you on. I think, um, you know, as Luke alluded to, you know, been hoping you've come on for a while. And I think, why don't we just dive right into this? I, I mean, we're, you know, we're looking at some pretty big concepts here, you know, assuming that the NFL salary cap goes to about $200 million in, in 2020, give or take a little bit. What we really want to kind of pick your brain like right off the bat is, you know, how how you'd be built, kind of building a, a team and which tiers of running backs and, you know, kind of choosing your groceries. So, you know, with that in mind, Luke, you want to kick the tier the tears off basically on like just give Rich some context on salaries and absolutely. So Rich, you dropped today, hot off the presses, and this proved fortuitous and things were really coming together nicely for all of us. You dropped uh, an early 2020 fantasy football rankings at running back, and I just want to give you some context now in RSO when people start up a league the cost for one of those elite running backs that you highlight for people is, is probably going to be four years and $140 million. So $35 million per year in average over the lifetime of that contract. And without getting away too much of your article and, and definitely pointing people over to sharp football analysis, how far down your list would you go? So you've got guys at the top that everybody could expect and we're not breaking ground when we say Christian McCaffrey is a good at football and Saquon Barkley are good at football. How far down that list do you go before you get really uncomfortable dropping four years and 140 million on one of these characters? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting spot. We're in kind of a weird transition period with the NFL in totality because we're starting to see the the edge that elite wide receivers were providing has kind of shrunk down as we're starting to see more wide receivers on the field than ever before. You know, the past two years uh, on passing plays, the NFL has used three or more wide receivers on 70% of the passing plays, way up from a decade ago. So we're starting to see wide receiver ones kind of lose their edge a little bit. Now, if you had Michael Thomas last year, it was a great positional edge. He, him, his edge over the field of the wide receivers was phenomenal. So it's not like these guys – you are, we can just dismiss them and throw them out and say all, you know, investing in wide receivers is, is, is poor, a poor process at this point. 
But outside of Michael Thomas, the rest of the wide receiver ones in three of their past four years have had their scoring drop, you know, from the, from the early, you know, just or 2010, just a decade ago. Uh, they're not providing as big as an edge, but wide re- running back ones still are. Now, the difference is, is that wide receivers have more longevity. They're a little bit more predictable. That's kind of the edge they have over running backs, uh, where running backs have a little more volatility year over year, and they have shorter windows, you know, when you're giving these contracts out uh, in these types of leagues. So typically, you know, you might say, yeah, I've got Christian McCaffrey, but he's got a smaller window to produce than, say, a Michael Thomas. So I want to have Michael Thomas locked up longer. It's advantageous in that way, but Chris McCaffrey is going to win you your league more so and more league and more uh, seasons where he really pops. So it's kind of like a dilemma you have to go back and forth on. Uh, but, yeah, running back ones are still providing the largest positional edge uh, in context of their position than any other position. So like, if you want to win leagues, you typically have to have a good running back. Uh, so these are the guys you want to invest in. So, you know, obviously you've got the top guys that everyone's going to invest in. Chris McCaffrey, Saquon. Uh, this year we've seen Dalvin Cook kind of become that workhorse. We're just waiting for him to stay healthy and see how that played out. Zeke's always in that mix. Those are kind of the big guys. And you've got kind of like a, Alvin Kamara is kind of in, like in his own tier kind of. Like he's kind of just a unique player because he doesn't get like as many touches as the other guys, but he's an elite receiver. He's in an elite offense, uh, you know, just kind of ran into a down year last year. But I mean, the touches were still over 18 touches per game. What really nuked him is he was an elite touchdown producer and just ran into really crummy touchdown variants last year. He had just six touchdowns. Uh, after he's in double digits the past two years. We saw some of that touchdown regression kind of take shape towards the end of the season, but it was too late for fantasy owners. He also had that midseason ankle injury and his, you know, elusiveness was really sapped out. Uh, and then, you know, after that, you really start to move into like a tier – like three kind of grouping where you've got Aaron Jones, you've got Derrick Henry, you've got Joe Mixon, you've got Nick Chubb. I would include Miles Sanders jumping to that tier, uh, a guy like Leonard Fournette. Those are guys that are alpha backs and capable of having, you know, a top five running back season, but aren't guys that you would say, uh, you, other guys you'd say would have some volatility, maybe a couple warts or two on their profiles. Uh, so like that's kind of like really kind of where the cutoff is. I want to say like around Leonard Fournette-ish. Uh, if you want it, if you're someone that wants to include like a Josh Jacobs or Melvin Gordon, I think that that's uh, fine as well, you know, pending where Melvin Gordon lands. Um, but that's kind of really the cutoff, you know, in the area. I know I just kind of rambled on long-winded there, but that's kind of where we're at uh, for these guys you'd want to really lock up to win your leagues in a short window. Yeah, that's not rambling on at all in the context of if the three of us are sitting in a room and, and bidding against each other at a startup auction, um, are you going to feel comfortable going over that 35 million per year to lock up one of the top guys? Or are you going to be the guy that waits to kind of to pick value later in the draft saying like, I don't know that I can spend X percentage of my cap on Zeke or on Dalvin cook, knowing the volatility that you just alluded to, right? Like there's injury concerns or, or supporting cast concerns around any, any of the players outside of the top few and even with Saquon Barkley there's questions about his line things of that nature yeah I think uh you know it's kind of twofold you know the way to approach this because I believe that there's a limit right to how many four-year contracts you have in these in these so I think there's it's like like what how many is it typically I mean it's you know fully customizable platform but most most leagues try to veer towards one or two in a year so it's like, uh, you know, typical keeper, like, kind of rules apply. You can approach this twofold. You can either want to go all out and max on a guy that is a complete alpha fantasy producer like a Christian McCaffrey, or you can try to really come in and use that longer contract and try to secure value early 
on a guy, uh, you know, where you say, you know, I, I'm coming in early on, you know, th- just throwing a name out there to say like Devin Singletary last year in a startup, you wanted uh, Devin Singletary because you thought years two through four, he was going to be an RB one. So you would come in and, and you actually use that longer contract to secure a guy that you believe was going to create value the remaining years. So instead of, you know, paying top dollar for Christian McCaffrey for four years, you've got three to four years of supreme value on a guy that jumped his ability uh, you know, that you pay out your contract, then you use your smaller contracts to kind of pay for these guys at top dollar. And you, you're hedging against the volatility that these guys provide because you're just in and out for a year. You're paying more than you, you would over that four-year contract. Uh, but, you know, um, you're using your, your, your longer contracts to maximize value for your team and getting a leverage coming into each season uh, by having one of those cheaper guys. So it's kind of probably twofold, a kind of a two-pronged approach of how you would uh, kind of, you know, uh, poke the electric fence, so to speak, you know, see, see what those top guys are going for in your auctions, kind of fill some things out, uh, know your limitations, where you're willing to spend. But to me, it'd be more alluring to try to, to, to beat the game by taking some of these guys. I'm higher on in the field and being able to get these guys on longer contracts because I believe that they're going to have so much more value, not only in the context of the current season, but they're going to increase their value in future seasons. And I'm, I've got those guys for way cheaper uh, than the league values them. And then that gives me leverage to even overpay in a year uh, for some of these top guys for shorter contracts. Uh, I don't, I don't know if that's something that's, that's been really tackled and approached. I, I mean, I'm, I'm really intrigued by trying to get more into this and, and really try to uh, kind of get after that. But I, I think that's more alluring to me than just saying, I'm going to take, I've got this big contract. I'm going to throw it at this top guy. I would try to, I want to try to gamble the system a little bit. Very good. And Goody, uh, with those guys and all those lined up, Rich was pretty comprehensive there. Um, take that any way that you want, but before you take uh, and play with it in the manner that you want to, I want to actually hear from you. Are any of those guys very scary to you in terms of an investment of a four-year contract at this point? Is there one of those guys that you're absolutely running away from at this point in the offseason? Well, I wanted to ask Rich because he, he mentioned Leonard Fournette. And, and so that was, I kind of have a couple of questions, you know, part and parcel with this. But on Fournette, say, you know, a lot of, a lot of GMs now, he's, he's coming up on his fifth-year extension option. So a lot of people have, hit, have Fournette on a rookie deal. You know, he was obviously the highest running back drafted in, in his class at the time, you know, and has had some injuries, low, low touchdown production. But, you know, Belkow, when he's healthy uh, in not in somewhat anemic offense so this year you know a lot of owners including myself have him for seven million dollars on the last year rookie deal and this summer we or this offseason before the rookie draft kicks in for most leagues we have to decide whether we're paying the transition tag to keep Fournette for a fifth year and in some cases, when you have multiple draft picks in the same year, you're weighing that against a couple of guys. So in, in one of my leagues, I have McCaffrey, or sorry, I have Dalvin Cook and Fournette. And Dalvin Cook seems like a slam dunk to me at $20 million a year. Fournette, the question is, you know, $20 million, you know, 10% of my cap. Is that something that you would do just to have that fifth, that fifth year option? And then further carrying it to a startup league, how many years and at annual average value are you comfortable giving a guy like Fournette when you point it to another guy who you could get cheaper, like in, in your rankings, you have Miles Sanders, you know, 10th. And, and so maybe that's the upside you're referring to. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Fournette is, you know, obviously you got case by case basis, not just per player, but you know, team context as well. With your fifth year option, you know, obviously if you're a team that's a contender and you feel like you've got a one year window, you may be more willing to overpay for a player and a running back volume, or based on what's going to be available in your league in your draft this year. I mean, all those things go into context and kind of vary league to league. He is a guy just personally just looking at Leonard Fournette's upcoming season in a vacuum. I think that there is still some concern. Uh, you know, last year I thought he was a home run by, and, you know, we almost got there. We almost got that real big season. The front half of the year he was, he was really dynamic in that running as like a top five running back even without the touchdowns, you know, you kind of alluded to. He had just the three touchdowns last year on 340 touches. Uh, pretty pretty rare, uh, pretty rarefied error in terms of poor, poor touchdown luck there. Uh, but you got a healthy season from him. You know, he only missed that last game of the year, which kind of was a throwaway. He set career highs and receptions at 76. But now when you look at it coming into this year, I mean, the Jaguars project to be terrible. Uh, and when they were terrible last year and they got really, really terrible, not that just they were a bad team, like they were horrendous, like one of the bottom five teams in the league to close the season last year. It really hurt Fournette's upside. He still had like an all right floor, but instead of producing those RB1 floor weeks, he was getting even without touchdowns. He was falling into RB2 and lower range. I mean, he had just two weeks over the RB20, the final seven games of the season. So if the Jaguars are going to be that bad again, it's uh, kind of a question to what kind of upside he has. The receptions, we need to see how sticky they are. Um, you know, 76 catches, it's not like he did a lot with those catches. He wasn't a guy averaging eight, nine yards per catch and was electric. They were just tertiary dump-offs. You know, it was kind of a byproduct of checkdowns, uh, you know, them being chasing, chasing game scripting games. It wasn't because he was like this McCaffrey-like entity where they were splitting him out and doing things. So if they were to bring in a guy off the street to kind of come and take third downs away from him and he lost some of those receptions, that is another – uh, element that could lose he could lose some of his floor I mean uh, I've been kind of pointing out that like it could be a Chris Thompson setup you know to go to Jack till he's a free agent if you remember when Jay Gruden was let go of Washington you know he kind of cried in the locker room and was just talked about how pivotal Jay Gruden was to his career now he probably won't make it through the season healthy but you know if he was a guy that would go there and follow Jay Gruden you know that would hurt uh, you know, Leonard Ford's 76 catches and, you know, probably push him down into the 40 range at minimum. Uh, and then we also still have, of course, the lingering health issues with Leonard Fournette. And we know he's a bigger body back with lower extremity injuries. We got through last year healthy. Um, you know, we try to remain kind of injury agnostic in these situations. But I mean, he'd be a guy that if you were to project a guy to miss some games, he would be a guy that would be higher on your list when you're going through these top running backs. So I mean, all those things kind of elements in play. I think he would be a guy that would be harder for me to give uh, in a startup a longer term contract. Like I said, if you're in a fifth year option on it, you got to look at team context. Uh, you know, how, how um, are you going to, how are you projecting your team to be this year? What's going to be available an alternative? If you don't pick up that fifth year option, what are your alternatives to add? Uh, all those things you'll have to hash out. But I mean, just in a vacuum, he's going to be a, probably a very polarizing player. Cause a lot of people are just going to point and say, to look at his touchdown regression, he's a buy again when there's probably a little more context and negative uh, red flags kind of mixed into his outlook a little bit. Oof. So when, Jaguars Twitter comes for you with the digital pick pitchforks because you've just said they're going to be terrible and Leonard Fournette's going to be injured is how I heard that that like we we distance ourselves from you on that particular respect but no that is a it's pretty good analysis and there's um my question with Fournette then as you build on that when you look at a, a player of his caliber and when you look at a season you're obviously hoping and remaining remaining injury agnostic you're saying like this season he projects to look 
fairly good and as a, as a RB1. When you're in a format like RSO and where you're giving out these contracts for which you have a limited number of them, do you find yourself gravitating to players like that to game the system as you talked about on your team? Or are you saying, no, a lot of people are going to stay away giving from giving a long-term contract to this guy. So I, I think that makes sense with running back volatility. I'm actually going to look to one of these other younger running backs that you have very much well within the RB2 tier um, that like even the rookies this year as a potentially better option or Singletary, are you going to be more inclined to like go chase those guys than a, than an established guy like Fournette? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the way I would play it. If I missed out on that real top tier, you know, getting those guys that we kind of talked about, the, you know, the Zeeks, the Cooks, the Barkleys, McCaffrey, even, you know, uh, maybe a guy like that's younger and has dual usage, dual usage, like a, like a Joe Mixon or Miles Sanders. Um, but Miles Sanders would be like the first guy I would look look to. Um, he's kind of that guy I kind of project to take that next jump. Uh, you know, I mean, you look at what he did last year. I mean, 1,300 yards basically in like a timeshare for, uh, you know, the first eight games of the season until Jordan Howard got hurt. And then everyone is kind of worried about will he split work again? He, you know, he got 19 touches per game the rest of the way out. I mean, uh, I highlighted uh, 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 someone today that we were kind of going – just having a, a back and forth on some of the early ranks and, you know, how close he was to Nick Chubb. And, you know, when Nick Kareem Hunt joined the Browns in week 10, uh, Miles Sanders actually outscored Nick Chubb the rest of the season. Uh, and that was with one fewer game played uh, than Nick Chubb had. So just to show you kind of the context of like how good Miles Sanders was in that segment of the season. Now he needs to prove it and get that work over a whole season. But this is a guy that was involved in the passing game. He's got 50, 60, you know, reception upside to go along with rushing ability. Uh, you know, it's in a good system with a good offensive line. Uh, you know, if he's able to roll that over that end of the season stretch, and that's going to be the kind of fantasy back he is. I mean, he's easily a guy that could jump some of those guys we mentioned. I mean, he could jump a Joe Mixon. He could jump a Derrick Henry who's not going to give you the passing volume. Uh, you know, if you run into a bad Derrick Henry touchdown season, what does he look like? Uh, so, I mean, you know, Miles Sanders is a guy that could definitely jump into that mix and be one of those top running backs. Um, now, he does have a little bit of, uh, you know, like I said, uh, of unknown to him because we haven't seen him do it for a full season. But you're always going to have that in a fantasy season. We operate in small samples. That's what fantasy football is. So, I mean, if you're going to make a you – know, you have to plant a flag in some guys. And he'd be a guy I would plant a flag in uh, early this summer while he's still kind of going as like a high RB2 in leagues, uh, you know, I'm kind of trading more as a lower end RB1 with even, like I said, more upside than that, you know, uh, knowing that it still exists. I love that. And so, Goody, you know that this is the time of year that a lot of people get crazy with their rookie picks. And Rich, do you think you, it's been a minute since you've stared down a RSO rookie scale, but the 101 is going to get paid seven and a half million dollars in the first year. And those can either be three or four or five year rookie contracts, depending on the customization of your league, but it's a four year standard contract. Would you rather have Miles Sanders, Sanders, for example, or that 101 at this point in the offseason, not knowing how like the DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Dobbins debate's going to kind of shake itself out as we get draft capital and things like that? Yeah, I think knowing where Miles Sanders is right now in the play season versus the kind of where we are today with these guys who haven't been drafted yet and no, not knowing their offensive climates yet, yeah, yeah, I would definitely say I would rather have Miles Sanders right now, uh, you know, moving forward. Although, I mean, I would say in the rookie drafts in this format, I would lean towards you probably want to invest heavily into the running backs just given the career arc for wide receivers and these, you know, you're limited. It's not like a dynasty league where you can wait 
uh, you know, to years five or six when these wide receivers really hit like an apex, you know, or years three, you know, years three and four. These you're running get more, you're gonna get more initial production from these top running backs than you are the wide receivers. You just are. That's the way fantasy ball works and rookies, uh, rookies work. You don't get a lot of big wide receiver uh, production. Actually, I was just looking at this today as I write up my wide receivers, and since 2015, there's been 17 first round NFL wide receivers, and just two, Amari Cooper and Calvin Ridley, have been top 30 in points per game. They're rookie season so I mean you're going to get just a lot more initial value from these running backs I would think you'd want to lean running back heavy uh and it's a good draft to do so this year with you know DeAndre Swift, John Taylor and J.K. Dobbins even guys like Clyde Edwards you know Hilaire, uh, Cam Akers a lot of people like Zach Moss like these are all guys that go in the top three rounds of the NFL draft and uh work their way heavily into production and opportunity uh right out of the right out of the gates for fantasy football so I would think that those guys would have an extreme advantage over some of these wide receiver picks, even in a year like where there's good receivers like a CD Lamb and Jerry Judy, I would still think even those kind of that tier two guys would have more values in a format like this uh, than they would in a typical dynasty league. Very true. Goody, do you anticipate any of those top six rookie running backs that he just mentioned all the way down to Zach Moss making it out of the typical RSO rookie first round of this year? Mm. Probably not in a 10 or 12 team. I, I mean, I think that you have a good share of um, super flex leagues. So quarterbacks will be, you know, a few of those picks, I would think, in those super flex leagues. And then you have, you know, if you take a 12-team league, you take those six running backs plus two or three, you know, quarterbacks in a super flex league plus the elite receivers that, you know, Rich has named. And there, there you have it. So I yeah I mean I, I think it, you know and the the class is the class is deep and we know like how you know when the rookie wage scale goes down into that early second round and you're paying you know 1.7 million for 2.01 versus 3.6 for a pick right before it then you know there, there's plenty of value to be had and gamed in this. Yeah, speaking of games, and this has always been. A question that I wanted to ask you, and I've never heard it asked of you on a podcast, Rich, and I apologize if that's this story's out there, but it strikes me that there are very few people who's like a solitary phrase, like a, a really witty turn of like turn of phrase has changed their life so radically. And when you dropped the Konami code on the on the fantasy world, was that like an instantaneous like you blew up or did it take a while for that to catch on? Uh, it, it was a popular article at the time. I wrote it for a number of flyer with my good uh, friend, JJ Zacharyson. and let me just write like a guest article. I think I did three or four articles for them. And it was just kind of, uh, it was the year Trell Pryor was going to be starting for the Raiders. And there was kind of this backlash of, uh, you know, I was trying to push that he was like a decent like fantasy pick. Like, and everyone was like, well, he's terrible at real football. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, we just came off T Tim Tebow and just had a, you know, was a productive fantasy player and just kind of, laid it out and the only way I could kind of like uh bridge that gap like people's heads is like guys like it's it's just a, a cheat on fantasy scoring it's kind of a cheat code in a way and what's the most famous cheat code of all you know the Konami code and I just kind of uh brought that in and a lot of people had a blast with that because anytime you can you know you could tie you know pop pop culture into something people are consuming it's 
it's gonna it's gonna go over well uh you know good writing is gonna you know hopefully i don't i don't do very much good writing like that so it was, it was kind of my <laughs> one my wayne my one uh brain, brain uh lightning in a bottle moment there uh, a guy like who's real good at it is like matt friedman is like he's just like phenomenal at just like tying in pop culture to like all his stuff and it's that's why i love reading his stuff so much but uh now i typically i've, I've too much stuff to get in and i can't squeeze as, as much of that stuff in and much fun but uh yeah, it was it was popular and it's kind of carried over. It's fun seeing like when the quarterback scores a touchdown on Sunday and some people run with it and do stuff. And then obviously this year was basically the year of like the Konami code. I mean Lamar Jackson is like the the he's the deity that we envisioned. You know when this you know I wrote that article in 2013, I believe. That's uh, how long I've been kind of in these streets a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, it was about throw prior. Now we've got a guy that can actually, you know, throw and run. And we've kind of seen the position evolve just naturally because it's like all positions. I mean, they're just better athletes playing all positions in the NFL. And it just took a little bit longer to get to the quarterback position. But we're starting to see it. I mean, uh, quarterback rushing has just been way on the on the rise. And rushing production for fantasy uh, has been way on the rise. And you're seeing guys like Josh Allen. You Just last year in general, everyone in the – Everyone in the top 12 basically offered you some rushing ability uh, and added some things. And even guys that come with, you know, uh, you, now that we're getting guys that can throw on top of being able to be mobile, when it just be like said, Tebow and Terrell Pryor, you know, when you're getting these guys that could channel the, the old school days of Steve Young that give you a passing floor and a rushing floor, Deshaun Watson, even Patrick Holmes, if you look at last year, especially towards the end of the season, he was really scrambling a lot. And then obviously said the, the MVP season from Lamar. Uh, anytime you can pair both worlds up, I mean, you just get these guys that you just can't beat in a vacuum. And we saw Cam Newton do it a couple years ago, even though Cam's been a really good fantasy player for his career because of the rushing. That MVP season, uh, you know, in, in in 2015, he was in, he was it was his best fantasy season because he was just a juggernaut because he threw for 35 touchdowns too. Anytime you can combine both worlds, I mean, you just the way the scoring is set up, you just create a juggernaut that's really hard, even at a onesie position with quarterback scoring so linear. Uh, to, to just be a hammer on your opponents weekly. And, you know, so many teams this year got Lamar such great value, uh, just like they got Mahomes a year ago. But, you know, if you were able to get Lamar and put him with a McCaffrey or even a Michael Thomas, I mean, this year with the way the scoring kind of staggered at the top spots and positions, and they were just more top-heavy than years prior, uh, you were really hard to beat in fantasy this year. And you, you didn't really matter what else you played besides those guys. Rich, you are nothing if not consistent. When you look at the quarterbacks that you're touting this year early on for us in the offseason, it looks to me like every single one of the top quarterback ones that you put out there have that ability to run. It, with the exception of this like odd outlier there, you have a, an elderly gentleman sitting right in the middle of the pack in Drew Brees. And so what makes him stand out in a way that other non-running quarterbacks don't do for you? Like why does he, why does he like merit some love for you in, uh, in the quarterback one tier in a way that like the other quarterback ones that people might point to might not? Yeah, he's kind of a uh, well. We're kind of we, you kind of run out of the pure runners at that point. I think Josh Allen is the only uh, the only guy that I kind of have kind of in that mix that because a little bit lower. And Josh Allen is an intriguing guy, anyways. You know, he's had the eight and nine rushing touchdowns uh, to start his career, but his passing stats took a spike this year. He, he did play the fifth easiest schedule per our metrics, uh, which kind of gives me just a little bit of pause. 
even though he has that that floor. I'm curious to see how real his passing jump was if his schedule gets a little harder last year. But I mean, Drew Brees is just kind of uh, you know just kind of this reliable producer. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna give you uh, all the yards. We know the Saints are gonna be one of the highest scoring teams in the league every year. He's attached to Michael Thomas, uh, the number one wide receiver taken. So you're getting cheaper attachment. You know, you only are gonna have one chance to draft Michael Thomas in your league. And if you pass on Michael Thomas, you're not going to get him. You only get one chance to draft him. But Drew Brees is a way to come in and get some Michael Thomas production later in your draft. Uh, so, you know, to get some attachment to him. Uh, now, this, you know, the age is a concern. I mean, we kind of saw this, see this happen with Brady. Uh, we, we, we're trying to find out this new cutoff for quarterbacks because these guys are playing like middle relievers in baseball now. Like they're just playing forever now, the quarterback position. You know, it used to be kind of mid-30s. Now all these guys are pushing 40 years old. Uh, and being able to play late, late into their career with like really no decline. I mean, Brady won the MVP at 40. Uh, Breeze was 40 last year. Uh, you know, he was seventh in fantasy points per game uh, last year. And he had just two games where he wasn't a QB one score. So I mean, he's still kind of in that mix. You know, we you know he's always going to get a ton of indoor games. And like I said, uh, uh, attached to one of the highest scoring teams in the league. Uh, he's kind of like the first like non-runner. Uh, I, I believe you know, have you can still have some faith in. Awesome. What do you think, Goody? Any of these quarterbacks stand out to you or any questions? That we... yeah. I mean, I agree with Rich. I think like, you know, in leagues like our podcast league where you're rewarding accuracy and points for com- completions and things of that nature and lo- low turnovers, a quarterback like Breeze is more valuable. I, obviously, based on his age, you'd want him on a short-term deal if you don't have at retirement amnesty in your league. I, I guess a specific question for Rich, and this can span – cross quarterbacks I mean we we talked about McCaffrey a little bit but like you and I are both from Cleveland obviously you know I don't know if you're a baseball fan or not but you know Francisco Lindor is my kid's favorite player my favorite player too you know he's about to make a boatload of money and the Indians kind of a small market um I, I guess in a similar vein in reality sports online you say you have a Lamar Jackson and you extended him last year for four years 110 million uh, you know on his big season or a Patrick Mahomes and say in a one quarterback league or a Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley that you picked up a couple of years ago on a you know in a startup league for 30 the 35 million annual that you're saying what would it take for you you know say maybe you won a league or already with those with a combination of those guys what would it take in a format like this compensation wise for you to get excited about moving one of those guys I you know obviously if they're on rookie if you're fortunate enough to have them on a rookie contract like Pat some people grab Patrick Mahomes in the second round of a one quarterback league and you're paying him one and a half million that's like the golden goose but like if you if you pick that one of those guys up in a startup and you're paying them pretty well I'm kind of curious like you know with this draft class plus established players like what type of value you would be seeking in a trade if you you know thought to move a say you know a Christian McCaffrey with you know two years left at 35 million or a Saquon Barkley or you know any of the or any of those quarterbacks I mentioned yeah it's a that's a that's a tough one uh because I mean, I have, you have to assume you're a contender with one of those guys. If you own one of those guys, you have to assume your team is contending. Uh, that's what's really tough, uh, you know. Especially if you believe you have one of those, like you know, the, these running back Gibraltars that can just almost single-handedly win you a league in a given season. It's really tough to let one of those guys go uh, because you have to always believe you're just that you're you're contending because you have them. Uh, you just need a couple. You just need a couple uh, hot pockets of production. 
uh, from outside of those guys to kind of help you, you know, if you get to get some guys in the right window. Uh, the quarterback position itself was interesting, uh, especially this time. And I think in dynasty leagues and these contract leagues, uh, because it's we've, we've got like a real young turnover. Uh, you know, you look at the, the my early rankings. I mean, all these guys are young guys. You talked about being in this RSO format. You, I mean, a lot of these guys are probably owned on rookie contracts. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray last year. Um, those guys, Josh Allen, who I talked about, like those guys are probably on rookie contracts still, and you've got them for cheap, uh, really, really, really cheap. Uh, you know, outside of that, you know, the, um, and, and I think that's just something you can take advantage of in a startup because the typical cliche for fantasy is, you know, you, you don't invest top down in a quarterback because it's a linear scoring position. Uh, you can make up more ground. It doesn't offer as big as positional advantage as the other positions. But with these guys being so young, as opposed to rolling out the tier of quarterback ones we've had over kind of like the previous five to six years, the Aaron Rodgers, the Drew Brees, the Tom Brady's, uh, those guys have now kind of shifted down. Uh, you know, you can catch a big window of production now for these guys where I actually think it's an advantage. I actually think a lot of these guys are undervalued in startups now. Uh, at this point because um, of the of the old adage of people just don't want to invest in the quarterbacks. But you're talking about quarterbacks are going to give you a decade plus of production and you're catching these guys right at the, the start of their career arc. Uh, I really think it's advantageous for people to invest a little earlier on the Deshaun Watsons, uh, you know, the Kyler Murrays, maybe, you know, obviously Mahomes and Lamar uh, coming off the two highest scoring fantasy seasons per game in NFL history. Those guys aren't slipping through the cracks. But I actually do do believe like the, the Deshaun Watson, the Kyler Murray's you know, even the Dak Prescott you know, if, he, if he stays in Dallas I would assume he will those guys offer I think a lot of startup value at this point uh, than they would in typical years past where you're just talking about you know you're drafting a guy like Drew Brees and not knowing when we're going to hit that cutoff or like we're seeing with Aaron Rodgers I mean Aaron Rodgers is a guy uh, that was you know top seven in fantasy points per game every year until last year and we just don't know you know you just don't know when you're going to finally hit that wall and give these guys this give those guys the uh, you know the full length of a contract you know a four year contract, uh, and then you're stuck you know overpaying for a guy at a position that you can make up points ground for by picking up you know a Ryan Tannehill or catching you know a lightning in a bottle play or a guy people left for dead and Matthew Stafford uh, and so on like that. So I mean I do think there's some value though in the in the top of the position one because they do run and the two because they're so young and we've seen kind of a rollover. <laughs> in uh, age at the top of the position that we had in previous years prior. Um. No, that's a really good point about those quarterbacks that you highlight for us there, Rich. And if you had to narrow it down, then if I was going to press you and say, look, man, I'm just coming to you for a trade. I know you have Lamar or I know that you have Kyler on this long deal, um, but I'm one piece away. And like, that's the piece that I want. What do I have to give you in terms of rookie picks this year in order to extract one of those guys in a super flex league from you? Oh man, in a super flex league, I mean, you're you're talking at least like three ones. I mean, at least three three future ones, kind of the starting block. Uh, I typically don't like to just trade for solo picks. Even you know, uh, I like to have you know another piece of that has actual tangible production, a shown production in the NFL involved with my picks. Uh, just because, you know, the hit rate on picks is, is kind of, you know, cattywampus. We don't always do good. We're not great at player evals ourselves. A lot of times we are right for the wrong reasons, and we'll, we're okay. We, we like to live that way anyways. We take, take our points wherever we get them. So I typically just wouldn't want to trade just solely for picks, but that's where we would start, uh, you know, from a, a conversation-wise, or at least, at least value-wise. So it doesn't have to be three ones, but guys that are worth, you know, that, that type of value in a startup. 
That's awesome. And if I said one of the guys that you're higher on than, than others, are you willing to, to kind of leverage that and, and be competent in your own analysis? So if I said like, look, I'll give you Josh Allen and a couple first for one of these guys that other people are higher on, like Kyler Murray. Is that the kind of trade that people want to make? Um, or is that like, who do you think is getting the better side of a deal like that? Yeah, I would definitely think the side just with the lesser quarterback and more and more picks and more uh, players tacked on, especially if it's a player that, that are kind of close, you know, in, in the same like kind of realm, uh, you know, especially ceiling wise, you know, like say like Josh Allen might be a guy that his floor might not be as high as it, he's shown last year where he has more kind of steady fantasy producer than he was as a rookie. But we know he still has a really high ceiling and, and those types of weak, weak uh weak winning types of scoring weeks, he's capable of those. So, I mean, I would definitely want to side at the latter side uh, in, in that uh, scenario. And, and Goody alluded to earlier, he's done some really good stuff. And some of my, the most fun that I have is in leagues where he's tweaked the quarterback settings to make them, um, to, to really real life good quarterbacks have added value because of completion percentage and number of completions during a game and uh, touchdown scoring. Do you find yourself gravitating to formats like that or because of your ubiquity in the industry, do you tend to analyze from a perspective of like the more uh, common scoring settings? And, and do you find yourself even having fun or being drawn to the, the quirkier score, score, scoring settings when it comes to quarterback? I mean, I like everything, all everything under the sun. So, I mean, you've got to always look at your league scoring first. I mean, you have to understand your league scoring. I only wrote this, you know, the original article and have run this run with this kind of as a brand because one, it's never changed. Fancy regular fantasy scoring hasn't changed uh, in so long. And now it's still been exploitable up until really this year, people have really started to like, because I mean, Lamar broke the system, but there was all these other quarterbacks prior to them that were just complete, always undervalued because of their rushing or perception they were bad quarterbacks. It's not because I was tied to saying I wanted those guys. It was just an advantage. But you always got to look at your scoring. And I like to play in any type of league uh, under the sun. Uh, I'm always down to play everything. So I mean, uh, always look at your scoring first and then adjust from there. But I uh, yeah, I like these leagues that have kind of countered against it and made, uh, you know, the, like you said, they're rewarding, you know, either completions or penalizing turnovers more, you know, the Jameis Winston factor, where, you know, Jameis Winston, all those turnovers that he had last year didn't even matter. You know, they didn't even, for us, it really didn't matter. Uh, you know, 30, you throw 30 interceptions in a season and still be a QB1 every week. Uh, it, it, you know, so, I mean, I like those leagues. I like those formats. You just have to kind of pick and choose. Uh, what you like to play and what your preference is. But I mean, I'm, I'm down to sign up for anything. I'm always going to look at the scoring first and adjust around the scoring and build around my league rules. But uh, I used to be in all these leagues when I was younger and try to like fight back against the the powers and say like, this is how your league should score this. And uh, this is what I want to play. And I just realized like, it really wasn't worth it. You just adjust the league scoring. You're the one that adjusts it. If you, you know, you can find your edges uh, based on the league settings instead of trying to play everything the same way. Goody, I don't know about you, but it's really heartening to hear, Rich, like there's a genuine excitement that you still have for playing the game. And a lot of our favorite guests have talked about the difficulty in maintaining that balance of, of being like a GM or an owner in RSO um, or like just a player on like other platforms and, and maintaining their own analysis. It seems, Rich, like you're still having fun actually playing the game, too, which is a pretty cool perspective to have. Yeah, I, w I, would, I would challenge uh, to say that I'm probably one of the people in the industry that plays still the most amount of leagues. I would definitely, you know, I, we see it every year, but I mean, I'm in, right, I mean, I'm currently in 18 dynasty leagues right now. 
you know, and these are non, you know, you know, a couple of them are best leagues, but I, I, I'm still fully invested into playing. I, I usually pick up, you know, 12 to 15 season long leagues uh, during the season. Typically in season, I'll have 30 plus weekly maintenance leagues. I, I you know, have to maintain, but uh, yeah, I definitely would challenge. I'm still one of the people that plays the most amount of value uh, in leagues because I definitely believe that's the way to go. Cause it's hard to win fantasy leagues. Uh, in general, even if you're a really good player, it's really hard to win a fantasy championship. Uh, and, you know, you're in a dynasty league uh, uh, with me, and uh, I've been in the money every year, but I've not won it. I've never won it. I've been in the money every year, but I just – I haven't won it. I haven't closed it. Uh, so it's hard to win fantasy leagues. So I like to play – I like to attack them with value. I mean, I like to attack and play these leagues with value because I think it's hard to win them. A lot of people say, I just want to play in one big – high stakes league but you know with injuries and stuff that happens it's it, you know you just don't know it's hard I would rather play in $500 leagues than one $500 league easily uh, 100% of the time well we really appreciate that kind of analysis and and frankly that kind of enthusiasm we'll definitely get an invite out to you as we get more and more analysts coming over to the RSO platform Goody do you have any like final question that you want to drop on our our esteemed guest here today yeah, I, I mean, I, I just want to first say on a personal note, you know, Luke, Luke and I rode your analysis, uh, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we teamed up and formed the 16-team podcast league, and we ended up being lucky enough to go undefeated, and, you know, Tim Aylesworth won last year and only lost once in the regular season, and, you know, so th that worksheet provided a lot of context, and, you know, we actually started, like, Tim Patrick over uh, Chris Godwin after him pretty fiery debate one time and it's hard managing with two you know two gms or whatever at once so very very grateful for that and and then just a kind of a final question i guess you know um is is there a player or two that you just think are great bounce back candidates this year or, or your trend your trends are seeing there's someone that you're staking your claim to this year like early on like you know last year in this rso format i determined that like dj chark was practically free and he was a guy i kind of you know put my flag up for and said you know i'm going out i'm going all in on on him is are, are there any guys like that this year that, that you're looking at or you know, based on what you've seen with, uh, you've done a lot of great work on positional trends already that you produced in the last week or so. I encourage our listeners to, to look at the overall trends by position, but like more on specific players. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still in like the, the early part of really trying to like figure out where I'm going to put my flag. You know, I hinted at Miles Sanders. He's not a guy you can get cheap. I know he's not as fun to sit, like when you say when you when you nail a guy like DJ Shark, it feels so good, you know, and you, it's a guy, you know, he had no production and you're like, yeah, well, he's got this opportunity that can line up. I mean, uh, you know, at the wide receiver position, I mean, some guys that I still am interested in that I still believe are undervalued or just players in general, I believe are undervalued at this current point of the offseason, you know, these best ball leagues are starting or startups are starting. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of guys. I mean, I, I like Deontay Johnson a lot from the Steelers. He's obviously a popular guy. I think you'll see he led all rookie receivers and receptions last year. And that was with kind of like the the quarterback situation that happened with Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph, they'll get Ben Rouser back. He's a guy that has return pedigree. Uh, he's kind of, he's floating around like low end wide receiver four value, like right now, uh, which I think is, you know, uh, undervalued. 
you know, we're starting to see it, and it started to happen today when the Falcons made it, like, official that they were going to let Austin Hooper kind of test free agency. Uh, but Calvin Ridley is a guy, I believe it, he's one of those guys that can make that jump into wide receiver one status uh, that has kind of been going as a lower wider, wide receiver two. I mean, plus you have the dual edge with Calvin Ridley. So I love getting wide receiver twos on teams anyways. I love shopping in fantasy for wide receiver twos because you have the added advantage of when the wide receiver one – misses time that guy instantly drop jumps he instantly jumps to a wide receiver one you know Julio only missed one game last year but in that game that he missed you know uh Calvin Ridley went nuts and you look at the three games that Austin Hooper missed last year Calvin Ridley also went nuts you know you had eight for 143 and one six for 85 and a touchdown and eight for 90 in the three games Austin Hooper missed so you're getting targets that were allocated in projection to start the season you get to shift those now to uh you know kind of a, a, another player so I love when wide receiver twos uh, for that value because they've hit an upside, you know, kind of almost like handcuffing a running back in a sense um, in a different type of fashion because they just have more upside for targets if that guy was to go down, they become the feature guy. And it doesn't really even matter who it is. It's really just an opportunity game. We saw it at the end of last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin missed the last three, three games of the year, or Godwin missed the last two, technically. He missed two and a half games because he missed the Detroit game. And Brashad Perriman was a fantasy wide receiver one based on the, you know, the amount of targets he was getting. So, I mean, it's just kind of in that area, you know, uh, another guy that's probably a discount version of Calvin Ridley a little bit is Michael Gallup right now. We don't know if Amari's for sure going to be back, but if he wasn't, if Amari was the guy they can't retain instead of Byron Jones, you know, Gallup will go from wide receiver 24 to 28 and probably be wide receiver 14 to 18, you know? So, I mean, you're, you're getting like a, a, a full round worth of wide receiver spike uh, on his initial value. If that, if just a month from now that plays out where Amari signs somewhere else. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you kind of in that area of guys. Um, I wish I had some like really hot takes on some of these guys. Like I was unearthing some gems for you. I know that I haven't done that uh, here. So, I mean, uh, but just kind of in the area of like, what you look for? I love drafting wide receiver twos because of uh, the, the hidden value in them. Awesome. And unrelated to that, but a fun question I often ask of our guests as they wrap it up is, in a world absent football, where, what kind of thing would you create a fantasy game around? What kind of a leisure activity or just like fun hobby would you create a fantasy um, game around to like build up and, and build some community? Oh, man, that's a great question. Uh, we've kind of seen Matthew Barry kind of start the fantasy movie, you know, the movie movement, uh, which would be great. Cause I'm, you know, that's kind of the, you know, one of the outlets that, you know, I'm passionate about it is movie watching and you know, like a lot of people. Uh, there, there has to be something we can do with video games, right? Like there has to be some kind of role, Absolutely. In, <laughs> some role into video games. We, I guess we've already kind of seen it because we've got what esports are on, D, D, you know, DraftKings a little bit. But there has to be something, to, uh, some more for. We get more, more, pe- more games and under that umbrella we can do some fantasy scoring for because you know you the overwatch league is on tv there needs to be some uh you know fantasy for for that type of stuff but uh you know movies and video games are the next two like favorite hobbies uh of mine outside of football they're the release uh you know when i when i uh look for something outside of football to turn my attention to awesome so goody what do we have coming down the pike after the esteemed lord rebar leaves us oh yeah we have we have episode 50 coming up so our next episode will be episode 50 um for those who haven't listened to episode one of this season there's a promo code for you know you have a couple more days in this month so potentially if you haven't you know lord knows why why you wouldn't have renewed your league already but if you haven't and you're straggler and you want to do that 
listen to the previous episode. But the next episode, our 50th, we, we teased it on Twitter the other day, but a couple of weeks, right before NFL free agency, we have someone else, you know, fantastic guest building on Rich's analytics um, from the NFL. Um, you may know her from te- from television, Game Theory, um, Cynthia Freeland. We're super excited about having her for our 50th episode. Uh, and we're very grateful for Rich com- coming on this episode. Next next time I'm in Cleveland, we'll have to throw a couple Great Lakes Brewery beers beers down. So um, we, pre- we appreciate you coming on. Can you tell our listeners where we can find you? Yeah, all the content uh, this season is on Sharp Football Analysis. And for all this whole offseason, uh, you know, at least all the way through in the summer, I mean, there's there's nothing as paywalled. Anything I put out is going to be just not behind a paywall. Everything's going to be open. No subscription required. So you can just kind of check it out, see everything that we're putting out on the site. There's not going to be any type of uh, subscription required. So definitely go check out everything we're putting out this offseason. And then, you know, I'm glad we finally got to make this happen. And absolutely, we can do uh, some Lake Erie Monsters or Christmas sales uh, anytime you come back home. Well, what a great note to end on. Thanks again. And uh, we look forward to following you this offseason and, and letting you lead us through your sharp football analysis through the, uh, the 2020 season. So for all the listeners of All About Reality, go, go find, if you obviously already have, but keep chasing all those good analytic questions and go look up Mr. Rebar on Twitter. And that's it for this episode of All About Reality.